Mercy Road. This is gonna be fun. This is a <laughs> this is a packed house. My goodness. Well, this is great. This means Josh is gonna be singing uh, after the message, so can't wait for that. That'll be fun. I'm so glad I get to close this out. You know, one of the things that you, you guys, um, has anybody ever heard me preach before? I, I preach about every year, every other year. A few, okay, four, thank you. Um, good, I can tell all the same stories. That's what I wanna make sure. But no, I wanna just say this. Like Josh has said a lot of crazy stories. You know, he, he tells them almost every year because we gotta remember these crazy things that we've gone through as a church. And they're actually true. They're actually true. I, I, can, I can vouch for that. In fact, I was late for my interview, and Lisa was like, we should not hire that guy. That happened. There was a sound guy that fell asleep at the board uh, during our first year of services. It was one of Josh's earlier sermons, of course, of course. But like, fell asleep so hard that like, you know when the band kind of comes up and you got the keyboardist playing the prayano behind the prayer? Yeah, that's what we call it, sorry. Prayano and cryolin, you use the cryolin for an offering, I think. But anyway, like, you know, we were coming out while Josh was praying and, and Janelle was trying to play piano and the sound guy was just totally solid logs. And we had to like go wake him up to start the second set. It was great. Um, that happened. Josh wanted to name the church Moxie Church. This is true. This is true. That was, one, that was the name he was really gunning for. After getting to know you more, that makes a lot more sense. But I just thought it sounded like a body spray and it just didn't sit right with me. So I'm glad we didn't go that route. But it has been amazing. In the last 10 years, guys, we have seen, seriously, miracle after miracle, breakthrough after breakthrough, uh, from being a church that met in Josh's Lisa, Josh and Lisa's house with the youth upstairs, Jake and those guys just, you know, making the chandelier, you know, sway and all that, to where we finally met at Clay Middle School. And we, we had this big launch. Remember that? Where like 300 people came out. We're like, this is going to be awesome. There's probably not that many people in here today, you know, right now. And, and then like the next week is like 30, you know? <laughs> it's like everybody came to the launch and then we got to where we were really, we were just a small church. And we'd be like, well, this is 30 people, like including the band. Good thing I had like 10 people in the band that week, you know? And like, how do we grow from here? We've already asked all of our friends, you know, but it was just really an exciting time and, and pressing into God and just being faithful over what we had. And we got to go to the next building and it was just neat to see how time and time again, God would be the one to grow this church. He's the one that grew it every time. And that's always been our plan A. What, another thing I love about this church, I'm totally self-promoting because obviously I'm a fan of Mercy Road, but I love that we really, really believe in the non-professional Christians here. In fact, this whole like light show and worship team and all the production and the cameras and all the children's ministry and most of the ministries outside of this church are not run by professional Christians with an MDiv from Fuller like Josh has. Ordinary, run-of-the-mill Christians like you and me who are trying to just use our time, talents, and treasures to build the kingdom. And because of that, we're able to give a lot more funding, 50% outside the walls, to make an impact in our backyard. And I love that. I love that value of ours, that we can do it if we come together, and we can do it well, and we can do it cheaper. That's why the bathroom needs a little facelift. But anyway, we had a sign in there for that too. I love that. And I love our mission statement that no one is too far from God to experience life change through Jesus. That's my story. That's Josh's story. That's a lot of our stories. So... Um, you'll, you'll get that. We wanted to plant a church that we could invite our friends from college. I, I came to Christ through a fraternity ministry as well as like Josh did. You'll hear some of that in my story. But I really wanted to be a part of a church that I can invite anybody and they would feel loved. They'd feel accepted. They could start their journey right there. And you guys are that church. Like we might be able to say those things from here, but the friends that I've invited over the years have actually felt that because of, of you. And so I, I love this church and thank you for the honor of serving our King together.
and some of us for over 10 years now. Holy smokes. But this season, this season's different. I don't know if, if you guys know this, but as a staff, we legitimately pray over every single Connect card, digital, online, or in person, every single one of them, every single week as a staff in that cafe out there when we meet. And if, and if all you say is you're a first-time guest, we're gonna do our best to pray for you. We pray that God blesses you and your family, that he helps you get rooted and established in this church family. And if we're not the right one, that he'll lead you to the right one. And we pray for the best for you and uh, do the best we can. But every single week we're seeing on these connect cards, people choosing Jesus, people choosing baptism, people choosing rooted in huddles and desiring to serve and get plugged in and make a difference and start an outpost or join an outpost. And every single week, I, I don't know about you, but that is not normal. I, I've been a part of churches where like, like where I grew up, I was, I was raised, raised Methodist and they're not exactly bringing in all the young people right now. So if like somebody came in with a kid, they'd be like, like pay special attention to the family that brought a kid, you know, we wanna keep them. Like every single week, guys, this is a, a, a unique season and it's, it's the Lord and I want us to be faithful over it. So I'm excited for what we're talking about today as we close out the four-part series of Elisha and I'm glad that Josh saved the best for last to bring this thing to a close. Oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, help me. So here's what we're gonna do. I want us to just pray together and we're gonna get into the word and I can't wait to see what he does in our time together. Father, we love you. We're here because we love you. We're giving you this time because you deserve it, God, and we want to hear from you. We want to be like you. We wanna be formed into the image of your son, Jesus. And I thank you so much that you're a God of comebacks, you're a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and 77 times seven comebacks. And you're God of recovery, you help us get back what we never meant to lose. We love you so much and uh, we just ask that this season, God, that we would be ready to step further into the deeper things, into the things that um, allow us to stand through harder times, to be light when there's a lot of darkness, to bring unity and division, to do the varsity stuff, Jesus, that, that your core church was able to do. And I believe we can do it, but we need to be like you. So convict us today. We wanna be refined. We wanna be made like you. And I also pray that you give us a lot of hope as we step into this next season, Jesus. We love you. And it's just a blast to build your kingdom together. Amen. All right. So everybody loses stuff, right? Um, I have ADHD, so I lose it daily. But how many of you lost your keys this week? You had to look longer than two minutes to find your keys this week. Thank you. More people in the room, more people raise their hand this time. That's good. Than the 9 a.m. Lots of responsible people go to the 9 a.m. You notice that? Like all, like the business owners or something, they all go to 9 a.m. They get up at five this morning and did CrossFit. And um, I, I love it. So I lose stuff all the time. I went, to a, I went to a legitimate rehearsal this week and didn't bring my guitar. It's the only thing I needed. I drove like 25, 30 minutes, and I made it all the way there, and I realized I had left my guitar. And, and see, I'm, I'm actually a very frugal person when it comes to music, and, and I'm like, for years, I was like, it's just an acoustic guitar. It's not even turned up in the mix. I don't need to spend a lot of money on this. But like this one, the Martin I've been playing lately, that's my anniversary guitar that Jillian helped me buy. I spent like real money on, it, on that thing, and it is way more fun to play, by the way. And, and I was afraid I left my anniversary guitar in the driveway at my house, because that's something I would do, and it's like two degrees out, and I had to call Niksha, my neighbor, and he's like Eastern European, sounds awesome, it's awesome, like thick kind of Russian sounding accent, and he like probably put on flip flops, he's a real man, went out there and checked for me, and I didn't leave it, I didn't leave it in the driveway, I had him look in my window, probably looks so shady, and he's looking around, 
Oh, Eric, it's in the corner. Yeah, it's, we had it. It's good. It wasn't the cold. I do those things. We all forget things. But what about when the thing that you lose has spiritual significance? Ooh, come on now. Today we're going to talk about what it means to get our edge back. What happens, our spiritual edge back, what happens when the thing that you lost was the joy, the hope, the character, the values, the passion for the, for the lost, the passion for the poor, your faith, your hope. Man, what about when that stuff is gone and we lose that? And um, there was maybe a season where you, you prayed a ton. You'd get up early in the morning. You'd spend time with God. You'd believe big things. You know, we've gone through seasons. We prayed some big prayers. And you'd be like, yeah, every time I'm, I'm believing for a God who, you know, I have hope in this good God who desires to prosper me, not to harm me. I know his character. I know what he's like. And now you don't even really know what you believe at all. And you can't think of the last time you prayed outside of a meal because it's Thanksgiving and you have to because you're hosting. What about when that happens and, you, and you've lost that edge? I want to talk about that today. The prophet Elisha did some awesome stuff. Um, he raised a boy from the dead, provided, a, a widow, provided for a widow in need. We talked about last week. Heals Naaman of leprosy, not bad. Strikes an entire army blind, like varsity miracles. My miracle this week is like the worst one in the Bible. Seriously, it's so lame. Like this is not the... This is not the abilities that I would ask for if God's like hand them out like the X-Men. Elisha raises a lost axe head out of the water so this, this young prophet can get it. That's what he did. That's what he did. And it seems so like, is there any purpose to the story? Why are we even talking about this? Why is this even mentioned in the Bible? And um, I think there's a lot of significance. I'm really glad Josh asked me to do this sermon today. You ever had to prepare a Bible study or something you realize, whoa, I needed this for me? Like, I needed this for me. This was a really good, had some good time with Jesus this week, some convicting times with Jesus this week to get honest about how bad I need to get my spiritual edge back too. And so we're gonna talk about that. Um, so yeah, that's what the miracle is. And, and I love that it does show us something else though. Our big God actually cares about the small stuff. He cares about your headache you're praying for. He, pr- he cares about the chemistry test you're trying to pass. He cares about that first date. He cares about, you know, your car starting this morning in the cold. He cares about you leaving your anniversary Martin guitar in the driveway. He might be laughing, but he cares. He cares about the small stuff. And I love that because we all wonder sometimes, well, this isn't worthy of, pr-. no, pray. Ask your father. He sees you and he cares about this stuff. So some context before we get into the nitty gritty for those Nacho Libre fans. Um, the context is we have a school of the prophets. Elisha is raising up the next generation, and they've got so many young prophets, they have to do a building campaign. They've got to build a bigger, I don't know what they're building, because it sounds like they're just using reeds and stuff to build it, but they're building some kind of a hut that they can have their prophet school in. And so that's where we're picking it up. You guys ready? Here we go. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet is too small for us like Josh's house. We, let's go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let's build a place there for us to meet. And he said, go. And then one of them said, well, will you please come with your servants? And Elisha replied, I will. And he went with them and they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron ax head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. I love that. It wasn't even his. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there. And here we go. And he made the iron float. Pretty sweet. It's like Yoda getting the X-wing out of the... Um, lift it out, he said. Lift it out. Then the man reached out his hand and he took it. There's your story. We're going to go off that. If you're taking notes this morning, good luck. 
as I mentioned, I have ADHD. I am on medication. We'll try to keep it straight, but good luck if you're keeping notes. I will try to keep them straight, but this is your first one. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. I love that. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. We serve a God who is totally into recovery, and that means a lot to me. That's a part of my story, my wife's story, and I'll talk about that a little bit as I share that this morning. But I love that God is into recovery, and he does care about helping us find what we never meant to lose. And I realize in this story, we're talking about an accent. We're talking about a physical edge. But this morning, we're really going to use this to to dive into what does it look like to reclaim our spiritual edge when we lose it. Um, How have you lost your spiritual edge? How did you lose yours? And some of you right now might be like, I, I haven't. Like, this is the sharpest I've ever been, and that is awesome. Seriously, please keep doing whatever it is you're doing to keep that passion alive and to keep being refined and sharpened. Please keep doing that. Um, but I think for a lot of us in this room, there was another time in our lives where we cared more about the things of God than we do right now. Just being straight. And I want to ask the question both specifically and honestly. I said, Specifically, I try not to do that. We make fun of people that do that. I want to ask you both specifically and honestly, this is a specific answer, um, how have you lost your spiritual edge? So maybe some of you had a lot of great Christian friends early on. You're like, man, we came to Christ. We had this Bible study we did together. We prayed for each other. We interceded for each other. We support each other. We helped keep each other accountable. And I just don't have that these days. I don't even have time for that. I have family and, and maybe, that, maybe that's what it took, and you lost that edge you used to have because you had that community. Maybe you used to serve at church like every week, and that was a time to, to build and to use your time, talents, and treasures to help you know, build the kingdom and to help introduce people to Jesus, and, and you cannot think of the last time you served at church or, or for a community charity or anything. Like You just haven't taken time to use any of those gifts in a long time. Maybe you had a passion for prayer. You get up early like Lauren Lemmy, who's playing drums today. That man got up like 5 a.m. for over a year and invited me every week to join him. Man, I love that. He was just, God is calling me to meet with him early in the morning, and he did it for at least a year straight, I think. It was crazy. And some of you maybe have had that, and now you're like, I think I pray for meals. I haven't prayed to my spouse in a minute, you know? And you just, you didn't mean to get here. It's just where you are. Maybe you used to have a passion to share your faith, and you cannot think of the last time you had a spiritual conversation outside of these walls. Maybe you're somebody who had these strong Christian values and beliefs, and you're like, I'm not going to do that because that does not bring glory to God, and it's not helpful for me, and so no. But maybe over the years, you've, you've made some new friends, or you just, you, just, you just relax some, and you've noticed that your standards and your convictions and your values have actually eroded, and you don't even know how you quite got over here. It doesn't look like you used to, but you, you've lost your spiritual edge. Um, some of my story, I gave my whole heart and life to Jesus when I was a junior at Indiana University. I was in a fraternity with Scott Cooper, who's playing bass today. Thank you. Somebody just cheer for IU. We'll do that. We'll take time to do that. Sports ball. Josh knows that I don't watch sports, so. (laughs) Ironically, I was IU's football mascot for like one season. They never let me do it again. And we had just lost Randall L, and we were bad. And that was the most sports ball I ever watched in my life, right there. Scoring the sports points. And, um, so was that IU, I was in a fraternity, that's where I gave my whole life to Jesus. And guys, I was embarrassingly unembarrassed about it. I told every single guy in that house, they all knew. There was like 80 guys living in the house at the time. I let every one of them know I would invite them all to this Bible study I started. I even called the Bible study free beer one time just to try to get people to come. And I didn't have any beer, but I was like, well, you can hear about the Bible or whatever, you know. I didn't care. I was just like, Jesus had done something in me 
that opened my eyes. I, I was so insecure. I was so depressed. I, I had no purpose, identity. I just didn't know who I was or what I was supposed to do with my life. And all of a sudden, through one encounter at a retreat with Greek intervarsity, I come out on the other end. Is, it's almost like you ever feel like you could just lift your eyes and all of a sudden you see everybody else. It felt like that. I had so much love in here that I had something to give. I, I didn't care what people thought of me. I, I just... I had this my spiritual superpower. I legitimately believe that I'm God's favorite kid. It's, it's crazy. I still do. It's, it's bad. It's entitled. Anybody like hate it when the, the coach puts their, their kid on the team because he's like, man, why is he starting? He's not even that good. Like, I love that because I get to play then because I'm God's favorite kid. You know, that's, that's where I, I saw the world through that lens because I loved him so much and I knew how he loved me. He gave me a purpose. He gave me identity. He gave me just this confidence I never, ever had and so after IU, I went to India for a year, and that was my first experience doing cross-cultural ministry, and, and it changed my entire life, changed my perspective, changed the way I view poverty and, and um, social justice and um, unreached people groups that there's billions of them in this world. Like, it is a real thing, and it just rocked me. I came back from that year, and I remember when I was there, I met a missionary who was different than all the other ones. Like, and I remember asking him one time, because half of these missionaries were so like burnout and bitter. They're just like, I'm just a martyr. I'm here because people respect me for being on the other side of the world. And they're just there making their small impact. There's no joy. There wasn't a whole lot of spiritual edge to see much efficiency either. And yet here was this guy named John. He was crazy. He was always in a great mood. He had been there for a long time. And I asked him one time, hey, John, what's the difference? Is it Coke or Pepsi that tastes different in every country because they use the local sugar? And the other one tastes the same because it all comes from America and they ship it out. And he goes, brother, I don't know. All I know is Jesus coming back soon and I can't wait. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Like, he's that guy. And he's, he was like, I don't know, he's like in his 50s. He's still that guy. It was awesome. And I asked him one time after about six months because I started to lose my joy. And when it's like 130 degrees out and stuff, and I'm like, why are you like this? Nobody else is like this. Why are you like this? He goes, brother, I wake up every morning and I just waste my time on Jesus. I just waste it on him. And if he asks me to do something, I'll do it, but I'm done doing everything under the sun and going back to him and asking him to bless it. Golly. I came back from India, and I took that serious. I wasted my time on Jesus a lot in India. There was a rooftop at the top of this place where we were living, me and my roommates, and like, um, it was like a terrace. It was furnished and stuff, and I would go out and have my quiet time on this balcony, and I kid you not, there was this three-legged monkey that wasn't much shorter than me, and it lived there, like, and it had, like, these kids, these monkey kids, and, like, I would be in the middle of wasting my time with Jesus, on Jesus, and, and this thing would bound over the side and just, uh, good, thing, good thing people around me only spoke Hindi, because it was not Christian, what I would say. It was terrifying. You're from the Midwest. You're not used to a three-legged monkey, like, bounding over the side when you're trying to read your Bible. I would spend every chance I could to get alone and waste my time on Jesus. I came back from that trip. I married the love of my, my life, Jillian Maitland, and uh, we moved into an RV, and we took every chance we could to share our faith through music and testimonies. Jillian came out of a substance abuse background, so she had a powerful testimony, and we would do juvie centers and youth camps and churches and conferences, and we'd raise enough money to park that RV and go overseas about three times a year. We did that about four or five years straight, got pretty burnt out, economy crashed. We had to settle down on the national side, and, and that's about when I met Josh and Lisa. And I had experienced church planning in, in Russia and India. I'd never experienced it in America. And I'm like, we don't need more churches in America. And as I heard Josh's heart 
in what he was wanting to build. He was like, we might not even meet every Sunday. I'm like, that sounds awesome if you're a worship leader. Just sleep in. Because he's like, we have to value the church scattered every bit as much as the church gathered. I'm like, this is crazy. Because like when you start opening up your house for people to come, now all of a sudden people won't go to that church building. They'll come to your house. Like it just made so much sense. And, and, and he has, we have now done what we said we were gonna do 10 years ago. And we, we were in this like, I think I already made that joke earlier, but there weren't many of us. But we had this like magazine thing where we said, this is what we're gonna do. We've literally done that stuff. And God's done way more than we thought we would. Way more. Now, I mean, some of what I shared about Car- Carmel's, uh, we pray and we read the comment cards. That's on the Carmel. I don't even know what all God's doing at the other family of churches. It's way beyond us, way beyond us. I love that. And so started the church with Josh and Lisa. I noticed about three or four years, no, I'm sorry, four or five years into the church plant, um, I had also, around the same time, helped start Indianapolis' self-proclaimed number one pop rock, bluegrass, and R&B cover band, Milo Rickshaw. Thank you. That's one of my, one of the, I'm very proud of this. My best friend Nathan and I grew up in the same small town. He played fiddle. I play acoustic. He can't play a guitar. I can't play lead guitar, so we just do it like that. And our friend Steve, and, and we just went and we'd play all these top 40 hits on the wrong instruments. And it actually kind of took off and got busy, got really busy. And you can still go hear that band today. They're great. Um, and so we would play like every Friday and Saturday, sometimes every Thursday. It was a lot. It was a lot of my voice. And I was going to bed about three sleeping four hours and coming in to lead worship. And one time I went to Germany for one of our trips because our nonprofit was still doing a lot internationally too at the time. And, and as I'm in, in Germany, I'm upside down sleep-wise, so I'm, I just couldn't fall asleep. I'm reading Ephesians. And I felt Holy Spirit say to me, you are giving me your last fruit. That's what you give me every week. You give me your last fruit. You come in exhausted. You come in, you've spent all your energy and all this. I just overbooked myself. I hadn't wasted my time on Jesus in a long time. I was doing what I wanted to do so bad in my life. I wanted to do music and ministry full time and I was doing it. I was getting to lead worship for a church I was really excited about and just seeing God explode this ministry. I was getting to play music with some of my best friends and we got to be Christians out in the bars and do stuff with Darren Early Wine with Pub Theology and like bring, you know, bring Christians out where they need to be. Uh, so that we can reach more people and invite them to our church and stuff. And, and our nonprofit was still doing the international stuff. I was doing what I wanted to do, but I had become a full-time music missionary and a part-time Jesus follower. I went from being God's favorite kid to like so insecure again, fall into comparison and, and just like, I hadn't written a song in years and I just woke up to it. How did I get there? Like, how did that happen? I don't think I was reading my Bible unless I had to like lead a Bible study or you know, do a, a ministry moment and worship or something. I just wasn't doing what I once did, and, uh, and it, it paid a price. And I'll tell you, it's tough trying to do ministry from that place. Maybe you can relate to me on that, guys. Maybe some of you can relate to me on that. I lost my spiritual edge. Maybe you didn't mean to drift away from God like you did. Maybe you didn't mean to become like a full-time parent, part-time Jesus follower. Maybe you didn't mean to start falling into the whole materialism thing because you knew it was like, oh, that's not going to satisfy. I got everything I need in Jesus. But then you're like, but if I look at my life, like really, I don't know how I got here. Maybe you're, maybe you got really hurt by somebody at a church just like this. And you're like, I'm done. And you blame God for something uh, uh, that somebody did to you. And it, it hurt you bad enough. There's just bitterness there. And you're, you're done. You lost your edge. It happens. So what I love about this story is we get to talk about what it looks like to get that back 
in the season we're in right now, guys, it's so important that we do this. I, I want you to say me and say we. This is a we Sunday. There, there's some work we're going to do individually, but I'm telling you, I really want to see our local church and, and the church families to step into this this season. This is a we Sunday. If we can sharpen our spiritual edge together and find it, like there are things God is already doing in this city, in this state, that we're like, oh, is this because of us? No, he's already doing it, and we're showing up because we're ready for it, and we can be utilized, and we can be effective because we're not holding on to so many things that can hold us back. This is a we Sunday, and so please be real with me because I got nothing to hide from you guys. Jesus has always been my plan A. That's always been the plan A of this church, so here we go. Here's what we're going to dive into. How do you get your edge back? Number one, be honest about where he lost it. The man of God asked, where did it fall? The ax head isn't gone. It's just, you just left it. Where did you leave it? Where did you lose your edge? Where did you take a turn that took you down this road? Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe you dropped a discipline. I don't know what it was. But number two, what I love is with God's help, you can take back what you lost. With God's help, you can take back what you lost. And let's do the first one again, because I move really fast, I just realized. If you're taking notes, again, good luck. But be honest about where you lost it. That's worth writing down. We're going to get back to that. we got to be honest about where we left this thing. And then number two, with God's help, take back what you lost. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, and he threw it there, made the, and it made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. The man reached out his hand, and he took it. Only God can send the water, you got to dig the ditch. Only God can multiply the oil, but you've got to bring the vessels. Only God can make an axe head float, but you got to take it out. You got to take it back. So there's some action here. And maybe you're thinking it's too late to ever have what I once had. It's not too late. Maybe it's, you think it's too late to ever be who you thought you were going to be and supposed to be. It's not too late. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. It's what I love about this church. Nobody is too far from God to experience life change through Jesus. He's proved it time and time again. And we serve a God who specializes in helping us find what we never meant to lose. I love that. So number three, here it is. Lift it out. Say lift it out. God will do his part. You just do yours. You do what you can do and trust God to do what you can't do. I love that. Can you make an ax head float? No, like Yoda could make the X-wing float, but like I can't, but I can take the ax head back when it's within my reach. Can you, with your own muster and might and discipline, create spiritual passion to just bubble out of you again? You actually can't, you can't. But one thing you can do is, is, if, is if believing comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, then one thing you can do is put yourself in a place where you can hear the word of God consistently. You know, if we serve a God who says he answers our prayers, he hears us, you cannot answer the prayer, but you can at least pray, even when you don't feel like it. You can at least worship, even when you don't feel like it. You can at least start serving again and, and sharing your faith again, even when you don't feel like it, when you feel like you don't have the answers that somebody needs, you can still be faithful to what only you can do and let God do the part that only he does. He's the only one that does it. And so to bring this back around, guys, like, um, I, I basically decided that after that trip from Germany, I, I prayed on this for a while, and I felt like I have to stop playing Saturday nights because I can't give God my best on Sunday. And that was a financial sacrifice to create that space in my life. Because not that you care about this, but in the world of cover bands, 
you play a bar on Friday and a wedding on Saturday and a bar pays you 150 for your cut and a wedding pays like 400 for your cut. So it's, yeah, some of you are like, I gotta start playing cover music. Well, that's not the point, but the point is for me, it was a big sacrifice financially because when the economy had crashed, Jillian and I couldn't raise money as easily as we used to. And so we were used to working and she did some makeup artistry and I did that to help compensate so we could stay in ministry and to give that up was, was scary and I gave it up. And, and thanks to Josh and the church, they decided that they would help cover some of that, but I didn't know they were gonna do that when I made the choice. I had to create space in my life to get back to wasting my time on Jesus. Some other things I did, Fight Club, love Fight Club. It will shake you up, guys. It will make you read the Bible every day and have guys around you who just kick your butt and tell you to fast a little bit, and like, it is really good. It'll shake you up and get back to the disciplines. Rooted was great for me. Doing huddles was great for me. Like, just getting back to spiritual disciplines. And so here's the thing. When we look at this last point, this is from, I'll read the Revelation part first, actually. This, is, this, this hit me hard. You had forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you had fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Like, you don't have to come up with this brand new system. It's like, man, how do I possibly, no. Repent and do what you first did. In fact, to put it this way, to get what you once had, you gotta do what you once did. And so that's why I'm asking, like, where did you lose it? Because if we can find that today, what did it look like? Where were you? What were you doing at that time consistently that brought the fruit of the Spirit out in your life? You put yourself in places where God created a passion in you, interrupted with these different gifts that are unique to you and not to me. Where did you leave it? What were you doing at that time? And so as I wrap this out, wrap, wrap, this, out, wrap this up and ask the piano player to come out and play piano underneath this, I love, actually, I prefer music underneath. When we do this, we're getting ready to have our hearts respond to God before we sing a heavy song to him. There's a song we're gonna sing called Refiner. And it's a varsity song. It's like, y'all might not wanna sing it yet today. But this is one I'm gonna ask you to sing as a we song because we need this season for God to continue sharpening us, continue pruning us, continue disciplining us so that we can be made in the image of his son, Jesus, for not just for ourselves, but for our families, for our community. Man, God is so worthy of our lives, guys. And I just wanna say thank you for the honor of getting to serve him with you, some of you for over a decade now. Some of you I'm just getting to know and some of you I haven't met yet. But thank you for doing this together. And um, he is so worth it. He's so worth it. We're made for it. Just, you know, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna kick you off for just a second, Michael, because I gotta do this. I told you guys, that, no, this is, I've never done this. I've never kicked that good of a piano player off the piano before. I just realized one of the things that was most embarrassing about my early days of Jesus, I would like work out all the time because I was like a meathead, like a lot of the guys in my frat. And I would come back from the house with this cutoff shirt on and just like all swole and like trying to be tough. And I wrote all these sappy songs to Jesus. Like when I first became a Christian, I couldn't play other songs. So I just learned piano and guitar. And I'm gonna play you one of these things. This is like, imagine a guy who lives in a house with 80 men and he, and we all like working out and being tough and trying to, you know, see who's the strongest and all that. And I would be in like the entryway of my fraternity playing songs like this and singing them to Jesus as loud as I can. It's embarrassing, but it is amazing. Plus, I was listening to a lot of Richard Marks before I learned piano. So there's going to be a little bit of that. My mother-in-law loves this song. It's called Made For You. This is just the chorus. Matt, you got some reverb for me? Thank you, bro. Right? You made me to be like you. 
You made me to love like you To give no matter what the cost You made me to serve like you To give my whole world to you Don't let me cling to this world I was made for you. There's the Richard Marks part. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Like that, that was like, I wrote that within like the first year of both learning piano and, and like knowing Jesus. And I was just like, guys, this just came out of my spirit. All these songs in this season, it's starting to happen again. I'm starting to get my edge back. I don't know about you guys, but 2020, it rocked me. And I'm like so faithful to Planet Fitness. I pay them every month. I haven't been there in like two years. <laughs> I have a Bowflex in my garage that I bought during COVID that like holds clothes and a snare drum. Like, I did go to Planet Fitness one time. I know you run one, so don't make fun. I went to one one time because my water heater went out and I had to shower. I am ready to get my edge back, guys, because you need me to get it back, and I need you to get it back. And I don't know why you lost yours. I don't know what that place is. We're going to talk about that as we close here, but I'm ready to get mine back, and I'm ready to start being embarrassingly unembarrassed about my love for Jesus again. Right? Right? So we're going to do this. Anybody doing the Bible in a year? Awesome. This is the year of the word, so we're doing that. I didn't mean to embarrass you guys. I'm doing it with Rob Elder. I'm a few days behind. I lived in the book of Job for like two weeks because that's where we're at. It's a chronological thing. <laughs> that, that's a pick-me-up. Living in Job for two weeks is not a pick-me-up. Oh, my word. But man, that guy's story. And again, going back to recovery, we stopped doing a lot of our intercultural stuff about four years ago because the opioid epidemic had devastated towns like where I grew up. And I found out my niece was addicted to heroin. I had no clue. So I stepped even further out of the, the cover stuff I was doing, and I put more time into that and into the church so we can help be a place for people to get their comeback story. And I keep meeting these amazing men and women who are recovery leaders, and in their time of use, man, they hurt people. They hurt sometimes 20, 30 people. But in the wake of their freedom and recovery and new life, they're literally helping hundreds of people. Hundreds of people. It's like God's making a mockery of what the enemy did to him. And it's like, it doesn't even make sense. Some are here today, and I heard their stories, and it lit me up. It was, we had church at this Transformations graduation the other day, and I was just like getting wrecked. You guys are crazy, crazy. And they have a spiritual edge that we need. And so that's what I love about recovery, just the wake of healing when somebody's really on that journey of new life. And that's what Jesus wants to do, no matter where you're at. If you feel like you don't have enough time for, no, he'll get your years back. He actually gives you time back. I don't know how that even works. He's gonna make up for the time that you lost that the enemy stole. And so stand to your feet. We're gonna do this. I wanna pray for three people today. And you're all here. And um, one of them is, you're like me. You're ready to start getting that spiritual edge back. You're ready to get back to those disciplines, the things you once did. You're ready to do that. And I'm just going to read this verse of Job. Um, he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. We all love Job's ending because it gets a double portion back. But not a lot of us want to go through that story. 
So we'll get to those people in a minute because they're in this room too who, who are ready for that kind of refining. But for those of you who have lost your spiritual edge, that's who I'm gonna pray for first. So go ahead and bow your head with me. Father, we thank you for bringing our edge within our reach today. We don't actually have to create it. We just have to take it. We just have to put ourselves in a place for you to continue to do what only you can do, Jesus. So right now, if you're somebody who has lost that spiritual edge, I want you to do two things. One, think about where you were when you lost it. What did it look like? Where did you leave it? It's not lost, it's just left somewhere. What was that season of life like for you? What were you like? What did you look like? And I want you today, if you're ready to just take it back and do this first step that you can do, I want you to raise your hand like what you would if you are giving your life to Christ. And I want you to tell me that you're ready to take it back for yourself, for me, for this church, for our families, for our community. We need that edge. We don't need to be swinging an ax that has no edge on it. Yes, that's awesome. Hands all over. That's awesome, guys. This is a we prayer. So let's do this. God, we know that you are able to do all things. And we ask right now that as we reach out and do what we can do, as we set the garden for the Holy Spirit to grow and only he can grow in us, pray that you would give us an edge we've never had. Not like what we had before, way more effective, way more powerful, way more joy, way more peace, even though we, we know more about the world. We've been through more disappointment. We've been let down. We're not disillusioned anymore like we were when we were young. We know how hard this world is. And I still believe, God, that we could experience a joy, a peace. We're made for you, God. We're made for you and we want it back. So those hands that went up, Jesus, today, we just have a covenant moment together. We're gonna take it back. We're gonna take it back. And for the second group, maybe you've never started your Jesus journey at all. This is all brand new to you. I want you to do me a favor and I want you to be bold and raise your hand today if you wanna start that journey. You're like, I don't have an edge. I just, uh, got you. Like, I don't even have an edge yet. I'm just never even been a believer. I've never taken the first step like I did in college to just give it all to him. Let me see those hands if that's you. Yep, yep, awesome. Would you pray this with me? Jesus, I believe that you're the son of the living God. I know I have wronged you. I have sinned against you. I've sinned against people I love. And I receive your forgiveness today. You died upon a cross and purchased a new covenant with my father through your blood and I receive it today. Your sin is as far as the east is from the west. Jesus, I give you my life, past, present, and future. And I want you to pray this with me. Say this out loud. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Live through me, speak through me, love through me. And then the last, not least, some of you in this room, you're not in a place where you've lost your edge, but you're ready to go deeper. You're ready, even if it means some suffering, some pruning, some disciplining, some refining, you're ready to go deep and you're ready to become even more effective for the kingdom. I wanna see those hands right now. And I wanna pray for you guys. We're about to sing a song. That's awesome. Oh man, y'all are crazy. <laughs> Let's do this. God, refine us. We trust you as a good father. You love us. This is for our good. We trust you with that. We know it's gonna be hard. We're not scared to have a stronger theology of suffering after we go through this. We know you're a good shepherd. We know you have our best, but we say right now, take us to the fire. We wanna be gold. 
We want to be gold. We want to be a life that this world sees laid down as a sacrifice at the feet of the living God because that's what the living God did for us. Sacrificed and laid down his life for us. We want to pick up our cross and we want to be made in your image even more. Refine us, Jesus. As a church family, let's pray that last line together. Refine us for the season, Jesus. For, the, for us, you love us. It's for our best, but it's also for the people you love that have not been reached, God. Refine us for them. In Jesus' name.